Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Watching black women's weight, the obesity crisis, and the pain and distress of body shaming. Spandex ain't for everybody, sweetheart. This really is an epidemic. This is a problem. This is something that needs to be addressed. We break down the numbers and what defines obesity. To be honest, I don't even let my clients use the BMI scale to measure their success or to measure their progress just because the scale is so distorted. Examining the hard truth that having obesity is mostly genetic. The number one factor contributing to our weight struggles in this country was genetics. Then we explore how the stresses and trauma from racism and injustice can actually make you fatter. We deal with the stressors that everyone deals with, and then you add on the layers of racism and trauma. These are huge things that lead to us retaining and storing more fat. Plus, this is the medicine pin. Endless weight loss fads, diets, pills, surgeries, and now the skinny pen, a diabetes injection being used to drop pounds. Are we sacrificing our health in the name of beauty? That's tonight as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Hey everyone, I'm Mara Escampo and welcome to the show. We start tonight with the debate surrounding body positivity. Stars like Lizzo are being applauded for inspiring self-love and body acceptance. But at the same time, they're often accused of promoting obesity. So which is it? Does what feeds the soul endanger the body? I love my cellulite. I love my hip bits. The body positivity movement has helped the community. The emphasis on health has been removed. We're normalizing and not acknowledging the fact that being overweight is not healthy. So is the body positivity movement helping or hurting us? First, the stats. This map from the CDC illustrates where obese black adults live. The darker the color, the more obesity. But specifically for women, the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases found black women in 2018 were the most obese and severely obese group in the country at 57%. But those numbers are based on BMI, or body mass index, which is simply weight related to height. A BMI between 25 and 30 is considered overweight, and anything over 30 is obese. The index was created by a mathematician, not a doctor, in the 1830s, and was tailored to white men specifically. 
But the much bigger problem with BMI is that it doesn't take body composition into consideration, making it essentially useless. To be honest, I don't even let my clients use the BMI scale to measure their success or to measure their progress just because the scale is so distorted. Personal trainer Tasha Hall became her own first fitness client after tipping the scale at 235 pounds. I'm only 5'3". The BMI scale, I was definitely considered obese. Like, I might even be considered obese right now, which is crazy. What the BMI does not take into account is muscle mass, bone density, fat percentage. Both triple board certified Dr. Frida Fisher and concierge medicine physician Dr. Jamila Gator agree that BMI is not a full and accurate picture of a person's health. But where they disagree is on how the body positivity movement is affecting the numbers. This really is an epidemic. This is a problem. This is something that needs to be addressed. You know, these are our mothers, daughters who are dying in childbirth, who are dying of heart attacks way too early. Just, you know, to have a perception um, to be voluptuous or sexy or just, just to conform to some norm. Watch out for the big curls. When it comes down to it, in order to be healthy, just healthy as a whole, mentally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy, there has to be an elevated self-esteem. So in general, I think the body positivity movement has helped. You can't just be out here saying like, I'm 300 pounds, but I'm fine and I'm happy. But again, you can't walk up the steps. That's not body positivity. That's unhealthy, like period. With this wanting to have um, all representations, which I think is wonderful, we're having almost this dysmorphia though about what is a healthy weight and what is a healthy size. Black women should be able to have the power to do what they want with their body. I'm going to show mine because I love it. Sports Illustrated swimfluencer and nurse Hillary Banks says as a little girl, her family instilled self-love and acceptance. So she's been body positive from day one. And the people keep saying it's a trend. I'm like, how is it a trend? Like, because people love their body, because people are being more accepting of their body, why is that such a terrible thing? I mean, it shouldn't be a trend. It should just be a lifestyle, you know? But I see that certain companies, they want to, they want the plus girl, you know? They want the plus girl. They want the plus, and, and if you plus and you're black, that's a positive, like, oh my gosh, we just, two birds, one stone. But for Hillary, plus doesn't equal out of shape. I have never met anyone that actually was a plus woman that wasn't trying to be healthier. Most of the plus models that I know, they go to Pilates, they go um, cycle, they eat healthy. Most of them are vegan, but people see it as, well, if you're all of those, you should be skinny. No, not necessarily. Hey, even though you're plus size, like you still can be healthy. Cause every time I go to the doctor, they say my BMI is off, but other than that, my other numbers look great. Skims model and influencer Wandrea Gilmore says some bodies are just meant to be bigger. And many people use the health aspect as an excuse for terrible bullying. Reading the comments, I can actually see how people are depressed and want to kill themselves on social media. People are ruthless. There is nothing that enrages me more than fat models. <laughs> oh my God, the trolls be trolling and they are mean. They would say like stuff like go to the gym, that's... All black women are not on the train of plus women 
showing their bodies or being body positive. Like all black women are not for me in a bikini. They will really read me as if I'm a child in church, okay? I wear my flaws on my sleeve. The term body positive only exists because of body shaming. Like me ashamed to be and honestly, I'm really, really, I'm fed up with it. Lizzo is not saying, hey everyone, go out, eat unhealthy things, stop exercising. All she's saying is love yourself where you are. What Lizzo is doing is helping to counteract some of the very real images that teenagers and other vulnerable young girls are seeing that are leading them to die by suicide. At this point, I realize that my mere existence is a form of activism, especially in the body positive community, and I wear that hat really well. When we come back, Revolt Black News debates. Women on both sides of this issue weigh in, no pun intended, including a body positive model who shares how she handles trolls and all of their hateful messages. Plus, a word from self-love queen Lizzo herself. I was almost always the only fat person, frequently the only black person. So I started posting my photos and immediately the reaction that I got, it was mostly people being like, I didn't know fat people could do yoga. Self-described fat femme, Jessamine Stanley is defying yoga instructor stereotypes while advocating self-acceptance. So can we be healthy and obese at the same time? I'm joined by some women with very strong opinions on obesity and body positivity. Dr. Frida Fisher is a triple board certified medical doctor. Dr. Jamila Gator is a concierge and lifestyle medicine physician. We have personal trainer, Coach Tasha Hall, and model and nurse Hillary Banks, who has been featured in Sports Illustrated's Swimsuit Edition. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thanks. So this is a conversation that's very personal to me because when I was growing up, I was tormented about my weight by a family member. Mm -hmm. And so when I see these images today, the body positivity, the Jessamine Stanley's, Hillary's in Sports Illustrated, I think how amazing it would have been to have grown up with those images and to have freed myself from a lot of the mental torment that I went through. So Dr. Gator, I want to start with you about the, the kind of the mental health aspect of it. I mean, isn't self-acceptance, self-love, key to physical health, and conversely, isn't self-loathing and, and self-hatred really damaging to our physical health? I mean, isn't this body positivity movement good for us in those ways? In those ways, yes. I mean, having uh, self-esteem is very important and, and not being ashamed of accepting who you are. However, you have to look at the reality of the situation in terms of obesity and the risk factors that it causes. And that's something that I think is not really being addressed and it's really almost being dismissed. What do you mean by that? We, we have this misperception and misconception about what healthy looks like. It's one thing to be overweight, it's another thing to be obese and morbidly obese and consider that as being normal because obesity is a vital sign. It tells us what's going on with your body and that you're at risk for so many different complications and if you only knew that, you would probably try to be healthier and make some more positive changes in terms of health. 
So, Dr. Frieda, when we're talking about physical health, you know, there are a lot of people who would argue you can be healthy at every size. You know, we saw Jessamine Stanley in, in doing yoga. She's amazing at that. Uh, we see Lizzo's dancers. They're all big girls and they perform for hours. Can you be healthy at any size or at some point is there a line where it really is a marker of poor health? There certainly is some point where it's a marker for poor health. But body positivity to me does not mean body delusion. It just means embracing oneself and not hating oneself as you try to strive toward being healthier. We can all be healthier. What I don't like is when you have people who are using the health as an excuse to body shame. And you'll see that a lot of people trolling on the internet and oh, she's just so unhealthy, but then giving specific insults on how they don't like how someone looks. When I see a fat person modeling on Instagram and saying fat acceptance, that makes me angry. Where would an average to cute woman who's five, almost six feet tall and 200 pounds with a one-year-old be able to land a top 1% man. Oh, you killing him, girl. Ooh, hot girl summer. No, fat girl, you look stank. You worried about putting makeup on your face. You need to be worried about getting that fat off your body. There are people who meet the BMI that is overweight or that says that they're living with obesity who actually have a small waist circumference, high muscle mass, and they may be labeled as a person who's living with obesity when really they may be healthier than someone who's thin with some comorbidities. Certainly obesity puts you at high risk for many, many illnesses, but as a whole, the body positivity will allow you to love yourself as you work toward being the healthier you, wherever that is. So, and, and I want to touch upon the body shaming, because this is something that Lizzo talks about a lot. So we'll take a listen to a clip and then we'll talk about it on the other side. The discourse around bodies is tired. I have seen comments go from, oh my gosh, I liked you when you were thick, why'd you lose weight? To, oh my gosh, why'd you get a BBL? I liked your body before. To, oh my gosh, you're so big. Oh, oh my you need to lose weight, but for your health to, oh my gosh, you're so little, you need to get ass or something to, oh my gosh, why did she get all that work done? It's just too much work. Are we okay? Do you see the delusion? So Hillary, I'd love for you to touch upon this because you are a, a you're, you're a popular person on social media platforms. You know, the social media trolls always have something to say. So how often are people coming at you really body shaming you and bullying you, but in the name of health, saying, oh, this is about your health. And what's your take on what Lizzo said? It's constant for me. I can't give that much energy and time to it. I don't allow myself to, I should say. Of course, there are the trolls. There are people who are coming to you as if they are so concerned about your health. I get disgusting DMs and nasty comments all the time. When I became the Sports Illustrated model, it, was, it wasn't new to me that they were gonna come, but I knew that they came and the way that they came was full force. I mean, I'm a pretty confident woman and how hard people come and attack your health. And like someone said, use that as, you know, this staple to be able to tell you that you're fat it really is demeaning. However, um, I really try to give a lot of people education about my body. My family has prepared me for this life and I am a pear-shaped body. Most of my fat I carry in the bottom half of my body. So I don't have a lot of fat surrounding my vital organs, you know? So I really try to encourage people before you, I call them the internet doctors, but before you come and try to tell me what's healthy for my body type, please do your research. So it definitely is a 
journey, I can say. Now, Tasha, you've devoted your life to health and fitness. You have been heavier. You've lost a lot of weight. Now you're a trainer, a very fit person, clearly. Um, what do you make of this idea that people are concerned about health? Can, I mean, can you be heavy and still be fit? and healthy in your experience with the people that you're working with? I just feel like there's a line with that because I've been a lot of different sizes and a lot of different shapes. I've been bigger than I recently got into bodybuilding last year. So I've been that size and like had that look about myself. Um, and just kind of like Hillary, I've had people say, or honestly, and like Lizzo too, like, oh, you look better, girl, you look better when you thick. Or, oh my God, I don't like you this skinny. And I'm just like, well, first of all, it ain't about what you think. I like the way I look right now. Um, but I did also try to make sure no matter what my size and my shape was that I had a level of like health conscious about myself, right? So like I used to pride myself on that I was like a thicker girl and I could still move and like I can jump and I can run, but you know, there was times I was doing that that I was eating like crap. And to me, that's not healthy, right? Because healthy is not just what you looking like on the outside. It's like, well, what do your insides look like? And I always tell my clients, well, do you want to be 70 and be in a wheelchair? Like, do you want to be 65 walking around with a hunchback and you can barely get out your car and walk to the grocery store and like, and have a good day? Um, so I feel like it should just be, we should kind of like think about it more from the inside out and not the outside in. But it really does feel like this is one of the few areas in society where people feel entitled to comment on other people's health. Nobody walks past someone who's smoking cigarettes and says, you're disgusting. But they do feel like they have the right to send Hillary these kind of DMs. So as five black women sitting here, is, is this just another way of policing black women's bodies and women's bodies overall? Because men also don't get it the same. Yes, um, absolutely. It's a way of, of policing black women's bodies. And you brought, yeah, a great point about men not getting it. Mm -hmm. When Tasha said, uh, having a hunchback, I snatched my shoulders up. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it absolutely, it's, it's, it's being cruel to women. And I love the point that Hillary brought up about where she carries her weight mm -hmm. because it goes beyond just being trolled on the internet. Mm -hmm. It goes into life-saving procedures. So I'm a kidney doctor, a nephrologist. And in order to get a kidney transplant, the BMI is a measure that they use. And I've had women, specifically black women, who've been rejected because of high BMIs. And the theory is that if you have too much fat around your vital organs, your kidneys, then the kidney transplant surgery could be problematic. And so beyond the fat shaming being a way, a way to troll and to insult, it's preventing people from getting health care, specifically black women. And no, men don't get it the same. No, they don't. So then do you think the body positivity movement is doing us a disservice in kind of normalizing bigger bodies in a way that has not been in the past? Or do you think this is a step in the right direction? I mean, I'm going to be unpopular in this opinion, mainly just because I know the healthcare side of it. So it's one thing to be, you know, positive and love yourself, but it's not about positivity or negativity. It's about reality. So the reality is if you're obese and morbidly obese, meaning 35% of your body is actually fat cells or as much as 50% of your body is fat cells, then that means that you're twice as likely to develop kidney disease, kidney failure. Mm -hmm. That means you're twice as likely to have a heart attack or a stroke. Or how about just pregnancy and childbirth? That puts you at risk to you know, have complications and, and die from childbirth. Black women die three times more often than white women do as related to childbirth and, and maternity complications. And so it's not just when you get older, it's now. And we really have to pay mm -hmm. attention to that and understand what that means. You're healthy 
until you're not healthy. Mm. You're healthy until you've had the stroke or you're on dialysis. So we really have to understand that and make choices so you know, that we, we avoid those, those risk factors and those complications. I wanted to take a different, like, approach on that question that you asked, because me and Hillary are both on social media, and as far as when you say policing, right, like, people just feel like they could just, like, comment and just say whatever, but I feel like that goes into, like, we kind of take a responsibility, though, in that way, right, because we decided to put our bodies out there to be, like, criticized in a way. So with me being, you know, a model and an influencer in this generation right now, and then also being an ICU nurse, I mean, I work with such critical patients. So when I listen to the doctors, it, I, it's actually enthusing to me. Like, I love to hear it um, because they're right, you know. But when I look at my, when I step out of the ICU, out of my scrubs, and then I tap into my modeling influencing, when I'm in these communities with these women, it's a journey, one. But two, I see a lot of my plus-size models models and my plus size women, they go to yoga, we go to juiceries, we cycle, and especially my black women, we love those things. Whenever I talk to people and talk to my models about make sure you're healthy, because I do, I make sure that they know like obesity, if you're in the ICU and you're obese, your chances, I mean, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it's its very low for you, for your survival. And it's very critical, you know? Uh, that's a great note to end on. And thank you all for your time. I appreciate you all and your perspectives. And we are going to be right back. If you diet, you lose weight, right? the number one cause of obesity is genetics. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself. That was the 60 Minutes interview with Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford that ignited a firestorm of controversy. Did the obesity expert really mean that being overweight is mostly predetermined and out of our control? Well, we got that answer during our conversation. Plus, how racism may actually be making us fatter. So willpower, throw that out the window. To say that all obesity is just genetic is bonkers. The biggest problem I have was Dr. Stanford saying that it's genetics. Those of us that know, we're darn sure. It's the food environment. Were you surprised by the reaction to your interview um, on 60 Minutes? No, you know, I, I wish I could say I was surprised, um, but no. I, I think that the way that people think about patients with obesity is much like how people think the strong hate and disdain they often get to us as Black individuals. Like, I can't believe this. These people just need to do what they need to do. They just need to eat well and exercise well, and they should just be the way they should be. Clearly, it's not that easy. Studies show that more than 75% of weight lost is gained back after five years, and obesity in America has steadily increased over the last 20 years. Dr. Stanford is a multi-hyphenate physician, like multi-multi, at the front lines of obesity research, with the Harvard education and medical cred to back up what she's saying. Will exercise alone melt away the pounds? Probably not. 
Well, exercise is really good for one thing for weight. And I'm gonna say this once, twice, and three times if I can. It is really great for weight maintenance. Is it possible that one of the biggest factors in your weight has absolutely nothing to do with what you eat or how much you move? Yep. I think stress is one of the most major considerations we have to think of when we're looking at weight and weight gain. Is weight loss mostly determined by willpower? No. As we understand the biology of this disease and how the brain regulates weight, we recognize it's so much more complex. In order to really address this, we have to personalize it to the individual in front of us. And then there's the question that got everyone riled up. Are your genes actually calling most of the shots? Yes. The number one factor contributing to our weight struggles in this country was genetics. What led to a lot of conversation is, you know, this idea that we have had that diet and exercise are the determining factors in treating obesity and losing weight. It's those two things. You move more, you eat less, you'll lose weight. And you say it's not that simple. So what is the full picture? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. Well, we know that genetics, development, environment, and behavior all play a role in a person's likelihood of having obesity. Are some groups just bigger than others? Does that necessarily mean that we're less healthy? Or can black women, for example, just be a little bit heavier on average and still be perfectly healthy and live long, fruitful lives? When we look at the difference in body types, absolutely there is something to be said about that. But excess fat, um, where that fat's concentrated has more of an issue. So if we carry it in our hip, buttock, and thighs, which we often do, not problematic, but if we're carrying it in our midsection, it's increasing our risk for heart attacks, it's increasing our risk for fatty liver disease, all of these things that are downstream impacts of the obesity itself. And since stress causes the body to retain excess fat, Dr. Stanford says centuries of trauma coping with the pressures of discrimination, bigotry, and racism show up on our bodies. One of the things that you mentioned that I think is very interesting to our audience is stress and the role that stress plays in weight management. Because when you look at a number of areas, black Americans are subjected to significant more life stress than other Americans. What role does stress play in weight management? And can you have a successful weight loss plan without addressing the underlying stressful conditions? Or are you doomed to fail until you fix those things? But let's look at generations of stress that we've had. So we talk about this higher rate of obesity in the black community, which is indeed true, but why is that? Because we've had to deal with more stressors than other groups and other communities. We deal with the stressors that everyone deals with, and then you add on the layers of racism and trauma and micro or macro aggressions that we face in the workplace or in our um, environments. These are huge things that lead to us retaining and storing more fat. It's, it's something that we have to address. What do you make of the body positivity movement that a lot of women are mostly are working towards a wider acceptance of bigger bodies, um, pressing society to stop policing women's bodies, and really trying to normalize a different size? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's important for us to recognize and accept and acknowledge people regardless of how they look. I don't treat my patients any particular way because they're a certain size or they get to a certain size. I don't comment on their physical attributes. 
What I do comment on is their laboratory values and how those things change after our work together. So I'll say, oh my gosh, look at that gorgeous cholesterol. Oh, look, that blood pressure is looking quite stunning today. Those are the things that matter. It's the overall health. And I've been quoted for saying I'm comfortable with patients that come into me at 550 pounds that get down to 300 pounds and they're maintained there. 300 pounds for most people sounds like too much, but for some individuals, that's the right weight for them. That's where their health is optimal. Why am I going to try to push them to a value or metric or a certain BMI criteria? All right, we'll be right back. Moving on to another story that's been trending all over social media. Endless weight loss fads, diets, pills, surgeries, and now the skinny pen, a diabetes injection being used to drop pounds. Are we sacrificing our health in the name of beauty? It is a beef, bacon, butter, and egg challenge. I do keto with a family of six. Well, I started intermittent fasting about two weeks ago. Also got some vegan mozzarella. I try to keep my carbs relatively low. 23 hours of fasting and only eating for one full hour. What are your thoughts on some of these fad diets? There's paleo, there's keto, there's low carb, there's, there's so many different diets out there. What are your thoughts on them? So I don't like the word diet because the word die is in it. Um, so that sounds kind of bad, but let's look at what, when I tell, give recommendations to patients and they come and ask me, Hey, Dr. Stanford, I'd like to start X diet. I ask them very important question. This is the question I would ask anyone listening. Is this something you want to do for the rest of your life? Often people kind of pull back when I say that, because if it works for you, you have to do it forever for it to work. Are you willing to commit to that? If it does not feel like something you could endure for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however much life you have left, then I would have you shy away from it. Getting thin is big business. The global diet industry was valued at over $132 billion in 2021, $33 billion in the U.S. alone, and is projected to increase at a rate of 10%. Hey, everyone, it's Justin Biggs here from the Biggs versus Biggs podcast. If you're a fan of sports podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Biggs versus Biggs, a show that covers upcoming fights, fight reviews, and interviews with some of boxing's brightest stars. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. Every year. I've been taking one tablet or one capsule a day. Vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO. I've only been taking it for like a week. The breakdown of money spent on our bodies looks like this, according to Grandview Research, with over 75% going towards diet-related products, 10% each for services and fitness equipment, and just 5% for surgical equipment. I'm losing approximately one pound a week. Search the hashtag Ozempic on TikTok and you'll get over 300 million hits. The prescription drug meant to help those with type 2 diabetes is a once-weekly injectable, and it's also known as the skinny pen due to an unexpected side effect. They found that these medications also cause weight loss that's comparable 
to bariatric surgery, weight loss that's comparable to gastric sleeves, to gastric bypasses. I've lost about 20 pounds. So what has happened is there's been a trend. And if you look on social media, you'll see celebrities who have blown up to a whopping size four who are now taking shots to get down to a zero. I have lost two dress sizes. And it is legal for physicians to prescribe because we're allowed to prescribe medications that are off-label. We're allowed to do it. But there's been a massive shortage in these medications for diabetics. I had a patient today who has diabetes. He's taking the medicine for his diabetes. He's lost 15 pounds in the last two and a half months. But there's a shortage of the dose that he needs, all because people who don't have diabetes and who are not living with obesity are taking this medication. Whatever you do, don't get ass shots. Don't get ass shots, bro. I'm really against them. Other injectables are being used to get bigger, not smaller. Based on personal experience, Cardi B warned against getting filler in your butt. And board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Aisha Barron says injections like these are not a good idea. Most of the time, that doesn't age well. Polymers, hydrogels, um, these are things that are not FDA-approved for injection into the buttocks. In 2021, U.S. doctors conducted more than 61,000 butt augmentation procedures, a 37% increase from the year prior, according to the Aesthetic Society. And those are just the legal ones. I have patients who come in and they come in with in Instagram pictures sometimes and they're like, oh, I want my hips to be like this person and my waist to be that small. Black Girl Stuff co-host Tori Bricks, who had a Brazilian butt lift, and Brie Renee, who did not, candidly revealed their own posterior past, with Brie considering the shots. I was going down the path of possibly getting this done. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm asking around and doing research, a girl, and I'm like, hey, so tell me about how much it costs and like where you go. She's like, oh yeah, it's like six, $700 around. You go into this hotel room. It was this guy who had done a lot of famous people as well. And he takes the syringe and takes whatever he's doing mm -hmm. out of a Gatorade bottle. When she told me that, I was like, there's no way I'm letting anybody put anything in me from a Gatorade bottle. Dr. Fatima Stanford says we should be careful with our bodies and gentle with ourselves. I think the key thing is that if you are struggling with excess weight to know that this is not your fault. There are strategies, there are interventions that we have that range from starting at lifestyle, which is diet and exercise, stress, medications, and even surgery for those that have the most severe forms of disease. This is just tools that we have available doesn't mean that you failed at what you are you know, trying to accomplish. Why not help that you deserve and treat yourself with kindness and love? Now to our Stand Up For series, celebrating Black History Month. I just love buildings for so many different reasons. I don't think that people really understand that it's really about a spatial experience that one has both with outside and inside. My name is Danielle Tillman. I am the managing principal and a licensed architect at BKL Architecture located in Chicago, Illinois. How I became a part of the 2% growing up in Chicago, I loved looking at 
the buildings, the Sears Tower, or now it's called the Willis Tower. Uh, it was fairly new when I was young. And steel, glass, beautiful architecture, very native to Chicago. Looking at old gray stones and old brown stones and how the brick and stone meet the ground was really interesting to me. So it's not just the very shiny, pretty buildings that um, we think of when we think about tall architecture. It was also the neighborhoods. And my creativity started very early. I loved art. I was fortunate enough to have family, notably my father, who also worked in industrial design. So being able to fuse both time with my father, my passion really got me to become one of the 2%. One of the projects that I am most proud of is the Whitney Young Library. Small in scale, it's only about 12,000 square feet of library space, but it is also within a neighborhood community, Chatham, and that neighborhood and that community has such a rich African-American history, and the people and community really spoke to us about what they wanted in their renovated library, and so that was what we tried to do, and so we put a glass expansion on an old masonry building and now it is extremely successful and people enjoy it. Children love the light that comes into the children's area. And so I've had the opportunity to not only touch the old, which I appreciated as a child, but also the new with glass and light and a very you know special place such as a library. One project that also means a lot to me is the Lathrop Project. Lathrop was a very large 38-acre housing project that was built in the 30s, and it has now been renovated into a mixed-income community masonry building built in homage to the 1930s, uh, but still with modern living. Currently working on a project, doesn't have a name yet, it's still under construction, but it's right next to a train line, a glass tower, 200 plus units in a very active, robust neighborhood of growth. To think about being a part of Black history um, is a little daunting to me. I, I won't I won't deny that. But what I do recognize is that I stand on the shoulders of those who came before me and paved the way for me to be able to do what I love. One of those is John Matusame. And he was an architect here in Chicago. He designed the first tower on Michigan Avenue, designed by a Black man and also owned by a Black man. So it was the Johnson Publishing Company building. That is, I think, astounding to me that there is on Chicago's famed Michigan Avenue that we can look to one building and say that that's a piece of us, that's ours. I'm now able to do that kind of work where there are towers that people can say, Danielle Tillman worked on that. We are witnessing history tonight. As we close out Black History Month, we highlight Black excellence and first. Breaking the record for the most Grammy wins of all time. It's Renaissance. 
Beyonce. B cracked the code and the ceiling, making history with her record-breaking 32 Grammy wins during the most recent award show broadcast. Thank you so much to the Grammys. But Mrs. Carter wasn't the only one marking a milestone. It has just been such a journey. I just EGOT. Viola Davis took the walk of grace to the stage, scoring a Grammy for her audiobook, Finding Me. Davis is only the third black woman to score an EGOT, which means winning an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. Other black women in the elite club include Jennifer Hudson and Whoopi Goldberg. Oh my God. I wrote this book to honor the six-year-old Viola, to honor her, her life, her joy, her trauma, everything. We're here with our pockets empty, but our hands aren't. Let's go. Let's go. HBCU hands up for a major first for Tennessee State University's marching band. The school scored its first Grammy for Best Roots Gospel Album for the Urban Hymnal. And this first came along with a strong message. We made history, but this is also February, so we also made black history. The Grammy goes to Lizzo for About Damn Time. It was about damn time for Lizzo, who is now the first black woman to win a Record of the Year Grammy this century. I decided to dedicate my life to making positive music. I look around and there's all these songs that are about loving our bodies and feeling comfortable in our skin and feeling good. And I'm just so proud to be a part of it. LeBron James has shouted history. King James stands alone. LeBron James officially passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points in NBA history, breaking the NBA's all-time scoring record. It's just a complete honor to be a part of this league, be a part of some of the greats that ever played this game. I am extremely, extremely humbled um, by this moment. Fresh off the All-Star weekend, Candace Parker made history as she became the first woman to call the game as a commentator for NBA All-Star matchup. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, all the women that have come before me that have paved this, this way for this to be possible. I was able to be in a lot of locker rooms and learn a ton about being a leader. Kansas City Chiefs QB Patrick Mahomes put his leadership skills to work, not only winning the Super Bowl, but the matchup with the Eagles saw he and Jalen Hurts face off and become the first black starting quarterbacks to compete against each other in the big game. I think it's history, um, it's, it's historic, and great to be a part of it. There's something exhilarating about the challenge of it all, and it's important for for me to do this this year. It's important for representation. It's important for my son to see that. Oh, Rihanna did come to represent in all red and with her prominent belly on display. Riri becoming the first female artist to perform while pregnant at the Super Bowl. We end the show tonight hoping that you come away with knowledge, understanding, and keys to your better health. And along the way from our conversations, we hope that we provided you with the tools to reach the place that makes you the happiest. Well, that wraps it up for us. I am Mara Escampo. Thanks for being with us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everybody.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Put a little spring in your step with great savings rates from Andrews Federal Credit Union. From now through March 31st, you'll earn 3.75% APY on your savings when you open our three-month Spring Forward Share Certificate. Start with as little as $1,000 and watch it grow. Open your new share certificate at Andrews Federal and spring forward towards your savings goals. Get started now at andrewsfcu.org. Andrews Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. APY equals annual percentage yield. For eligibility and membership requirements, visit andrewsfcu.org. What's going on, everybody? This is Dr. Shonda, and I am here from the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. If you're a fan of psychology and mental health, be sure to check out and subscribe to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, a show that covers and talks about buzzing topics in pop culture, mental health in the black community, and faith-based topics. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.